Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Better Questions, Better Life podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Elliott, and on this podcast, I look to answer a simple but important question. How can we ask better questions to live a better life? Now, if this is your first episode, I want to welcome you. We've had a lot of new people coming on to the podcast, discovering us from social media, from referrals, from shares. So I just want to welcome you if this is your first time, or if you are a regular listener and subscriber, welcome back. Those of you joining us for the first time, this podcast is all about exploring how we can ask better questions to live a better life and help us be happier, healthier, and more successful in all aspects of life. This podcast is uh, broken up into two sections. The first section, which is like today's, is where I take this question of how we can ask better questions to live a better life and break it down into smaller bite-sized topics where we can start to look at different strategies, tactics, and approaches to help you ask better questions to live a better life. The second part, usually happening uh, usually happening later in the week in the even number episodes, is made up of a range of interviews with a variety of professionals who all share one common bond. That bond is their ability to do their jobs largely depends on their ability to ask good questions. So, so far we've heard from qualitative researchers, data scientists, police officers, high-priced consultants, entrepreneurs, personal coaches, and we have a whole range of people coming up very soon. I'm actually just in the process of uh, booking in and approaching a range of people. So on that, if you know of somebody who you think would be a good person to interview, uh, please make sure you reach out to me on the uh, website, my link at betterquestionsbetterlife.com.co, and you can find us at the contact page, send me a message or hit me up on the social medias. On that, of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes where we're obviously going to continue to build on these concepts. Of course, uh, links and everything as always available on the Better Questions, Better Life podcast website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. And again, that's where you can reach out to me if you want to get in contact, if you want to let me know there's somebody you think I should interview. Um, As always, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Better Questions, Better Life podcast sponsor, YZ. YZ is an easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. Make sure if you haven't already, you jump over to their website at yz.com, that's W-Y-Z-E-D.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own 14-day free trial, which I know many people have, so if you haven't already, don't miss out and go check it out. And with that being said, let's get into today's episode. So obviously, over the last couple episodes, um, we've really been focusing on the concept of biases. So how do biases affect us? And obviously, within how do they affect us? How might they affect other people? We're coming near to the end of the biases I want to talk about. Obviously, there's a lot more, and I'm sure this will be a concept and a topic we'll explore later on in the podcast. But I want to really focus on uh, one more bias today, or I shouldn't even call it a bias. It is a bias, but more of a psychological phenomenon. It's got a couple different names depending on the different vantage points, but it's all, to me, talking about the same thing. And that's groupthink. So I've left groupthink for last because, obviously, if we look at sort of the three different situations where conversations happen, I believe that groupthink, uh, and, and which happens in groups, obviously, hence the name, uh, is one of the most dynamic, one of the most challenging parts uh, when it comes to overcoming. So obviously we can have uh, questions we can ask ourselves. So it's in our own head. So it's us against our own biases, essentially. We can ask it in, say, a small group, one or two people. And obviously that's more challenging because obviously we've got other people and their biases and their backgrounds and all that sort of stuff. But as we look into a group, we find that there's now a whole range of additional pressures, social pressures specifically, which can now start to affect how we ask questions. And groupthink is exactly one of those. 
So just a quick definition of what a groupthink is, so we're all on the same page. Uh, groupthink is a, and I'm quoting here, <laughs> a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony or conformity in the group results in an irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcome. Group members try and minimize conflict and research a con- and reach rather a consensus decision without critical evaluation of alternative viewpoints by actively suppressing dissenting viewpoints and by isolating themselves from outside influences. Okay. So again, I saved this one for last because again, it really touches on uh, one of the more complex things we can get into. And obviously those are the group dynamics where the suppression is happening, where obviously we can start to feel those feelings of uh, not wanting to, uh, to to cause conflict or to you know appear stupid or any one of those other things. Again, start really feeding into a lot of our other biases. So the next question is to ask, well, why does this matter? Um, hopefully this is a fairly self-evident one, but let's still ask the question anyways. Well, to me, we ask questions and have discussions to evaluate decisions and do everything we can to get the best possible answer and they're in the best possible outcome, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. We also ask questions to, you know, maybe learn and for interest and growth and, and, and in those sorts of things. But typically in this instance, we're, we're having a conversation to make a decision, right? And on top of that, I believe, and, and let me know if you disagree with this point. I'd love to, certainly love to, to hear from you if you disagree with this. But in order to get, ask the best possible questions, to get the best possible answer and there and get the best possible outcome, that can really only happen, or at least the chances of it happening, increase when we have a diversity of information from a diversity of sources, I should say a range of sources. And this obviously includes people. So groupthink robs us of, you know, being the group, might be a family, a business, two individuals, whatever that particular group is, but it robs us from getting the best information and making the best decisions. We're suppressing it or not having the best critical decision-making process, so it obviously strips away a lot of that. Now, you might be right, you might still make the best decision, it might still be a favorable outcome, but like I mentioned, you increase the chances of being wrong now and obviously into the future. I might I might throw a thousand dollars on a stock and it might go up. Uh, but if that's my methodology or depending on my methodology of that, I wanna do everything I can to make sure that I'm right. So even if I'm wrong in the instance, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that over the long term, we're making consistently positive and right choices. So let me kind of break this down. That was a little bit abstract, but let me kind of use two examples that I could kind of think of as I thought about this, right? And to try to maybe explore it a little differently. Let's use two examples, one business, one family. Now, again, in this conversation, we're kind of going along the idea that there is going to be a decision that's going to be made. We're going to do something. So as a family, maybe you got, you know, Ma and Pa and Uncle and Auntie, and I got the whole fam jam together, and you're talking about maybe making a family vacation. Or in a business, maybe as a department, we're looking to uh, take some action, uh, put, put together a particular uh, program or objective or take on a client or something like that. And obviously that can go all the way up to the executive uh, to the executive branch. Where do we take the company? So it can be some it can be some fairly substantial decisions. But regardless, again, it's all about trying uh, about these conversations that are happening before that time and energy and resources are being invested into it. So that 
that time is incredibly important to make sure that we're having that best possible discussion, a robust discussion from a variety of viewpoints, from people who are junior, people who are senior, um, you know, people who have maybe had previous experience or don't have previous experience, but we have the best possible conversation by getting uh, a range of information sources and evaluating that. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is, is what can we do about it? Because again, I don't think this is new. Um, I know this is something I've experienced. Uh, you, I think we almost experience weekly. I mean, I think every bias we, we deal with, obviously, we experience um, hourly. But um, this obviously can have some pretty serious ramifications in terms of, again, investing time and energy into particular things, which might not net us the outcome. So... As I mentioned at the start, I've left this one for last because it's obviously the most complicated because of the different actors and the different pressures that put us uh, or that affect us rather in these different social situations. But I have put together a few suggestions for both leaders or people who might have some natural leadership in the situation and a few ideas for those people who don't necessarily have either of those. But let's start with the leaders. And again, this is just a few ideas, uh, especially if you are in a business context. This has been something that's been researched, uh, a lot of amazing thought leadership out there. So if this is something that you do think is uh, happening in your conversations, and I can pretty well guarantee you it does, uh, I definitely recommend, again, mitigating, uh, excuse me, researching around how to mitigate group thinking. There's some specific uh, strategies and tactics and, and methodologies. And we'll talk some more about that in the future. But have a Google and um, hopefully here's some two ideas to get you started. So the first one is, and especially if you're a leader um, or if that's maybe somebody else, maybe recommend it to them, but it's make sure that uh, whether it's you or somebody else that as the leader, you don't state the preference up front. So ultimately, somebody's going to have to make a decision um, in, in traditional hierarchical uh, situations. So again, uh, make sure that that person who is going to be making that decision doesn't have a stated preference up front. Uh, typically, there should be uh, a willingness to go through and explore all the different options and let that be discussed on their own merit. And on this, though, and something, again, I want to stress and deserving of whole books and podcasts is that you also need to make sure that as a leader and as any individual, frankly, you can create a space where people can express their thoughts and views in a safe place. If the environment or the culture is set up where I, say if I'm having in this group, might be afraid of being ridiculed or made fun of or judged by my peers, I mean, what do you think that person's going to do? They might have a great idea, but do you think that they're probably going to be willing to express that opinion or idea? Regardless of if you think that the person is bloody brilliant or not, it's again about them, how they feel, and if they're going to be willing to make that. So be very, very, uh, be very, very cognizant of that during your meetings. Secondly, and a technique I absolutely love and something that we will talk more about in future episodes, and there's just tons and tons I could talk about this particular idea, one of the most powerful tools you can ask when you ask questions is to appoint a devil's advocate position, one person or preferably multiple people. Now again, this should be set up beforehand and bonus points for it being a regular ritual in your decision-making process, individual or group, it doesn't matter. And give that a person the ability and encouragement for that role to play that important part. Even in my experience, again, this has been critical to help us identify and set up potential mitigating strategies. Even if we all agree on option A, even if we all think option A is fantastic, but having that person actively play that role will allow you to set up, again, to identify maybe those areas where there is some risk. And there is a risk no matter what you do. There is some things that can go wrong, but it allows you to identify that and allows you to think about and set up potential mitigating 
mitigating strategy. So even if we think option A is the best option, by having that discussion, we shore up and make sure that it doesn't just happen by chance, that it actually happens because we've mitigated it. And this is something I really, I really can't stress enough just how important it is. But let's flip this around. And this is probably more often than not where you're going to end up yourself. Or you could be, you could find maybe yourself as both a leader and not a leader. Uh, that's a very distinct possibility. But I think probably for the most part, uh, not everybody is in those leadership positions. So this first recommendation, it might sound a bit weak, but it's really important. Yes, it's it's about I want you to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And being open to speak up, even if the group dynamics are playing and pushing you down, if they're trying to suppress your your view, your idea. Um, by speaking up, you might you might not be fully taken on, right? You might be a junior person. There might be some validity to other people and the aggregate experience they have. But at the same time, you could be right. And that your what you say, even if it's not maybe fully taken on board, it is really important to make sure that you are doing everything you can in the group to, to speak that. So again, or maybe other people want you to speak that too. Quite often, again, in those environments, we maybe feel like we can't have that conversation, but I think it's really important to, again, by lean into the uncomfortableness and still speak up, still express your mind. Who knows? Again, you might have a viewpoint or idea that could potentially mitigate millions of dollars and, and, and years and years and years of work kind of thing. So just, just be aware of that and have the conversation. And if that how if that organization and that group maybe doesn't take it well, then you might want to ask yourself some career questions about what you value and if this uh, organization values the same things. Secondly, and as much as you can, I want you to prepare in your own way to be that devil's advocate role for everything you do. Um, if you can research things beforehand and uh, dedicate a certain predetermined amount of time to, to this process, uh, it can be a really, really positive uh, strategy to make sure that you develop and you understand both the good and the bad of any strategy. You might be trying to pitch for option A, and by you having that devil, devil's advocate beforehand, it will actually allow you to make sure that you develop the most robust process. Uh, quite often, I've talked about this in the previous iteration of the podcast, but very often we get married to the idea, we get married to the solution and not the problem. So play devil's advocate for yourself, really make sure your thinking is sound, and it also allows you to make sure that you have the best possible strategy. So if other people are playing devil's advocate with you, you can really show them that you've done everything you can to develop those mitigation strategies. So like I said, lots lots more at play here, and we'll dive deeper into many of these topics later in the podcast. I don't have much homework for you on this one. I think, again, it's really just about employing those strategies above. Be aware of it. If you're a leader, be aware of it in a group. If you're not a leader, uh, or if you are a leader, even think about that devil's advocate and start to employ that now. Again, we'll go through this in a lot more detail, but I really want you to encourage to take that on board now. But with that being said, I'll leave it there for today. If you've liked today's episode and you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe. We've got a fantastic guest coming up later this week. You're absolutely going to love it. And of course, with that being said, I'll speak to you soon. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Just remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, make sure you jump over to the social media handles. You're going to find us at Better Questions, Better Life on Facebook, Instagram, BQBL underscore on the Twitter. Of course, you can make sure you jump into the hashtag BQBL. Of course, you can check out our website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. And I obviously, I want to take a quick minute again and thank our sponsor, YZ. Make sure you get started with your own 14-day free trial at yz.com. That's W-Y-Z-E-D.com. With that being said, speak to you next time.